Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, January the 29th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Lots to get into today. We have a whole full plate of some very uh, difficult topics that we're going to get into. I do want to begin by congratulating Kansas City and San Francisco going to the Super Bowl. I think these are two great teams. The two teams that they beat are also very good teams. I thought the NFL did itself uh, quite well uh, this weekend. So let's say hello to Bill. How are you, Bill? Reasonably well, Silvio. Reasonably well. Uh, loaded with stories that are coming out of nowhere. Right. And we are beginning a presidential campaign, the most unusual in our history, I think. Yes. Uh, and I, I think Americans feel kind of adrift. No they no, do. There's no real leadership. No, I think you're right. I think there's a sense that no, no one seems to be happy. That's the, how I would put it. People are just very unhappy at the moment. Um, Bill, I want to begin, and this just will take a couple of minutes on this, but you obviously being a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan, uh, you, of course, uh, remember uh, when the Dodgers left Brooklyn back in 57. And here, you know, three or four months later, Roy Campanella was was hurt very badly in a car accident. It ended his career. Um, what was that like? I mean, what do you remember of that whole thing? Well, it was it, it was terrible. It was terrible because uh, it is true that this occurred right after the Dodgers made their decision to leave New York. But Roy Campanella was always a favorite, a hometown favorite. Uh, he was one of the first African Americans, I believe. He may have been the first to be part of what was called the battery in those days. The pitcher and the, the catcher together were called the battery. And if not, he, he succeeded another popular Brooklyn Dodger uh, player named Bruce Edwards. Bruce Edwards, the big number 10, uh, had been the Dodgers' mainstay behind the plate in the years after World War II. And then they brought in Roy. He was a terrific player and a, and a, and a, and a good man. He really was. He was very popular among the fans. And to have his career end this way in a car accident, which left him paralyzed and left him living in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, it was just, it was just, people were heartbroken. I mean, it would be a heartbroken no matter who it was, but especially a, an athlete who, who all, he, all he was about was the game he played so well and, and he couldn't play it anymore. He, uh, he went on to, um, uh, ha, ha, he had a, a store, I think, in Harlem. Uh, I don't recall the year he died, but uh, that was a career cut short that should not have been cut short. Yes. I think he died in 1991. I remember reading that. Or maybe that was, no, no. He went to the Hall of Fame before he died, yeah. But you mentioned the Dodgers. Brooklyn also had the first probably African-American battery, uh, Don Newcomb and, and, Roy. And, uh, and Roy. Yeah, so that was quite, uh, at the time, that was, of course, Jackie Robinson at second base. So that was really quite uh, revolutionary, I would think, for the 1950s, Bill. It, it was. It was. The, the pitchers that were brought in, Don Newcomb uh, had that very distinctive uh, windup uh, before he pitched. Joe Black was another one. And by this time, and this was the late 1950s, Jackie was brought up in 1948. This was 10 years later. And, and there was really a, a good transition period. There there was none of the, or maybe I shouldn't say none. That's, uh, uh, but very little of the kind of racism that we saw when Jackie was brought up. When you had 
players on opposite teams shouting racial slurs at him while the game was going on. And Branch Rickey gave Jackie the uh, advice, don't answer them. You'll just go down to their level. It was great advice because Jackie came off as the gentleman and they came off as the jerks. And then when Roy came up and uh, we mentioned uh, Don Newcomb, uh, Joe Black, uh, we had uh, an integrated ball team and and a good ball team. I mean, not one of these guys was brought up for some political reason. They were brought up because they were good. Well, and, if if my dad was in our conversation, he would he would remind us that Sandy Amaros yes was playing left field at the time for the Dodgers right. too. Of course, he was uh, from Cuba, a black Cuban. Yes, uh, who was uh, who made that great catch in the '55 series. So, uh, well, I, I wanted to ask you about this because it's, it must have been shocking for the city, uh, the fans like you. First, you lose your team, and then you lose your one of you know one of your best players, yes. Hall of Famer. So it must have been quite a quite a shock. Uh, and you, it, it was I haven't I don't have the details of the car accident, but did he just slid on? Uh, was it raining or what? Do you know any, any much about I, it? I I don't re- remember that much about the accident. I, yeah. I don't know if that much was published. I believe the car did turn over. Yeah. Um, these were the days, remember, before. Even seatbelts were in cars. Yes. If he had a seatbelt, he might have survived pretty well. But right. the first seatbelts didn't come in until, uh, oh, five years later, four years yeah. later. And uh, no safety equipment in cars in those days. And it was it was his fate. It was a, a terrible thing. Uh, he, If I remember correctly, and this goes back after all, we're, we're now talking going back 50 or well, 60 some odd years. I, I believe he could still speak. Mm. Uh, I believe he could still speak. And I think that whenever we saw him, uh, I think they did in, in some of the special days that baseball teams had. I do, do think they wheeled him out on the field. Always got a standing ovation. Um, he, always, he never had a grim look on his face. Right. Uh, I, I, I imagine it was a, a hellish thing for him to, to be in that situation. But he, 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 he left with a, a wonderful reputation. Yes, well, three-time MVP. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's enough. <laughs> that's yeah. that's all you have to say about this man. Three-time, three-time MVP, uh, most valuable player. Well, Bill, um, some big stories today. Some really tough stories to get into. But I guess the the first one, of course, is three three U.S. soldiers who were killed in this drone attack. There's a bunch of injured soldiers too. Yes, uh, and I don't know how serious they are. And then a few days before, there were two Navy SEALs who who were who drowned, I think, uh, with another incident. And this is now starting to become, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to be politicizing <laughs> it, but it remembers, it reminds me a little bit of the late 1990s, when it seemed like every other week somebody was taking a shot at the United States and we wouldn't respond. And, you know, whether it was that ship that was, was attacked and, in wherever it was, or just uh, you know, attacks at military bases. It just seemed yes. like everybody was taking a shot at the United States, and this was, of course, the Clinton years, and there was never any response. And and I'm beginning to feel the same way now, Bill. Well, so am I. I what what really shocks me is here was a raid done by a drone that was directed clearly at an American base. This wasn't a mistake. Uh, the the thing didn't go off course, and the response in Washington at first the the president made some public statement, 
you know, that uh, we will respond. Dun, 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 dun. And now every damn statement that comes out of Washington is, well, you know, we don't want to expand the war. We don't want to, um, we, we have no interest in a war with Iran. Well, they apparently have an interest in a war with us. And they, they, somebody might notice this uh, because the statements coming out, I, I think the, the, the left wing of the Democratic Party is probably already active, saying we're not going to support any, any war uh, and um, uh, we, 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 we can have, keep this under control. I suspect there will be some response, uh, probably a, a, a limited raid somewhere on one of the uh, uh, subdivisions of Iran, these countries that are, they call clients and, and, and groups that call, they call clients that do their dirty work for them. But, I mean, you would think that at a time like this, the president would get on the television from the Oval Office, make a very serious speech and say, our servicemen have been killed and, and intentionally, and we will respond accordingly. Now, that doesn't mean they have to blow up the place. There are many things. I mean, we certainly have done a lot of favors for Iran in the last year, uh, releasing $6 billion that I'm sure they're using to attack us. Uh, and, and getting their oil industry straightened out, uh, we should remind people that there is in Washington a very substantial Iranian lobby. Uh, we hear a lot about the Israeli lobby, but we don't hear, they're on our side, but we don't hear too much about the Iranian lobby. And that Iranian lobby uh, is without any question supported by some people in the Democratic Party, especially the Obama crowd. Uh, it was there was no secret about the fact that there were some in the Obama crowd who wanted to replace Israel as our main ally with Iran, even though Iran hated us. Right. I don't know how that works, but only in their minds does it work. Now, right. uh, the, I, I think what they're going to do is they're going to play for time. They're going to uh, they're going to say this is going to be forgotten in a few days. Uh, Americans are not interested in expanding the war, and we will then take some little uh, little ceremonial step so to speak and then and then, then it'll be forgotten and right. then they will then i'm afraid my great fear is they're going to go to work on the Isra on the israelis right and turn against the israelis and that will be the new story yeah for for me uh bill the, the problem here is that if you're the president of the united states and you're sending these young men and women in harm's way that they have to feel like you're going to take care of them that's right. And the parents of these, because most of them are young people, you know, who've got parents back here, of course. And they have and wives wives sometimes. Exactly. So you would think that, you know, there's a feeling that if, you know, you touch any of these guys, I'm going to get back at you. And, and you don't see that. Now, I thought it was interesting. Maybe this is just a coincidence. But it was interesting that this attack happened after we said something about pulling out of Iraq. I heard a couple of days ago that we were going to take our troops out of Iraq, which I think would be a huge mistake, because right now, the more troops we have in the region, uh, the better I feel as far as an insurance policy. Yes. But they, we, there was something about removing our troops from Iraq, and then this happens. Maybe it's just a coincidence, uh, but you know, if you're pulling your troops out of a region, I think many people misread that as weakness, Bill. I think the Iranians certainly do. And in the Middle East, they are not actually in the Middle East. They're in, uh, in uh, West Asia. But we, we, they're, they're close enough. In that region, the only thing that counts is strength. They're not interested in anything else or in, in any of our arguments or considerations. 
And I think America around the world is seen as a weak country right now. I don't know of anybody who would want to trust their security with, with, uh, with uh, Joe Biden. I mean, right behind Joe Biden is the Obama crowd, and they are certainly not trustworthy. Well, one thing that I have, you know, you mentioned the left wing of the Democrat Party. One of the things that we are hearing from them, and I'm talking about the squad and yeah. some of those people, is that the president is going to have to go back to the Congress and get a declaration to, for example, these attacks that we're doing on the Hootsies or whatever they're called, uh, that we he, he's going to have to go to the Congress and at least get a, a declaration or at least expand the Afghanistan, or I think that's what it was, the Afghanistan resolution from yeah. 21 years ago. But presidents have been using those resolutions since. And, you know, it seems like we have different targets every time. And, and the squad is saying, you need to update the resolution. You need to go to Congress. Bill, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. If you actually spoke to the Congress one day and said, look, this is why we're there and this is why uh, we, we will defend our interest. And if anybody touches one of our guys, it's going to rain on you, Bill. Well, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what he probably would do, except that the pressure from the squad and the friends of the squad, they have friends on the left in, in Congress, is almost humiliating to the president because they're not really Democrats. They're leftists. They're mostly Marxists. And the idea of them being able to push the president around, I don't think is going to be uh, very impressive. We are right before, well, 10 months before a presidential <coughs> election. He is starting to sound tough on the border. It took him quite a few years to do it, but suddenly he's tough. I'm going to get tough. And it's the Republicans who are preventing me from getting tough, which, of course, is a, an outright lie. Uh, and then on the on the Middle East, he, he you know he'll take as we said he'll take some symbolic step, but then kind of back off so he doesn't have to fight a war. He doesn't he doesn't want to present to the American people a nation at war uh, over mistakes that he made. Right, but that's true. I mean, I think you know it's a lot of this started with our withdrawal from Afghanistan, Bill. I oh yeah, that absolutely. sent the message that that we were cutting and running. And that's exactly the kind of message that the, the bad guys will will take ad, advantage of. So I, I hope we do something, and I hope we do something substantial. But I happen to be, I'm more on the Lindsey Graham argument here. I, I support what he's saying, that we need to take out, we need to deliver a message to Iran, Bill, because Absolutely. none of this would happen without Iran. It's not like these groups have these drones. They, they don't have these drones. They have these drones because Iran gives it to them. That's right. So and we they also do something. And, and Iran also gives drones to Russia. They're now very close, uh, and we've allowed that to happen. Uh, and I fully agree with you. I think they say, well, it's very risky to attack Iran because they may get irrational. Uh, look, there's a point where you've got to at least deliver a large blow. If they want to deliver it to one of their subsidiaries, that's okay with me. Uh, on the other hand, they could uh, take out part of the nuclear program. The, the, you, you, I think in a situation like this, you have to look at not where the the, 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 the the traps are, but where the opportunities are, and make it very plain that we will defend our interests. That's and right. Defend, and, and defend our people. Exactly. And it's risky, but my goodness, what could be more risky than putting these men there who are being shot? That's right. So, you know, at some point, you have to understand that, you know, if you don't like risk, 
well, maybe you shouldn't run for president. But that's what these men do when they're in the, in the Oval Office. They have to deal with these uh, terrible situations. Well, Bill, you mentioned the border. As you probably know, Texas and the federal government have a little battle going on. I actually think, and I, I think I mentioned this to you a few days ago when I called you, I, I think Governor Abbott has has, has sort of outfoxed uh, you know, the president here because he's <clears throat> yes. put him in a very difficult situation. I mean, what's he going to do, federalize the National Guard? I mean, that would go over very well, I think, or very <laughs> yeah. poorly, I think, with public opinion. And now you've got 25 states supporting Texas, and the governor seems, you know, he's not backing down. And I think publicly, I think most people, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen any polling data, maybe you have, but I think most people understand what the governor of Texas is doing. And I, I like that he's doing something like this. He's bringing this matter to the public eye or the public view, and everybody can understand. I mean, you don't have to be uh, an expert that if, if 300,000 people came in in the month of December, maybe you've got a border problem, Bill. You might have a border problem, and, and it would be a good idea to deal with it. Uh, it is amazing to me to hear him speak, to hear uh, uh, the president speak. He's speaking the way he should have spoken four years ago, and he's going to pretend to be a tough guy during the campaign, and and then put up this ridiculous argument that it's the Republicans who weaken the border, which is totally ridiculous. But he can look, you know, when you've got the press on your side and he has the press on, on his side, you can do a lot and get away with a lot. And he, he has before. Uh, I don't I, I think that there are some Republicans who are way too confident about this election. I think that they don't understand that the, 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 the Democratic Party will do anything to win and say anything to win. Now, on the question of the, the Mideast, uh, it's been noted that one state that, that, that Biden must carry to win the presidency is Michigan. And Michigan has the largest Muslim population of any state in the United States. And I think he's going to play to that a little bit during the campaign. Uh, on the other hand, there are people who are experts on Michigan politics, who say he doesn't have any chance of carrying Michigan, that he's just too unpopular. Uh, I don't know what the truth is. It may lie in between. But we're getting into a, a season now where politicking, not policy, will have the upper hand, especially right. with a president who basically is an old political hack. I mean, he was an expert at getting reelected, but not on anything else. Right. Well, he, he was also reelected in a state where I don't think he ever really had any opposition. You know, I no. look back at his career. I don't think there was ever a close election. I mean, he had a uh, he knew how to get reelected there, which is, again, he's not the only one who's who's done that. But I just, you know, it seems to me that what the president has to do is to take out the same pen that he used to scratch the Trump policies yeah and 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 renew those policies and what i don't understand is that i think the country would support that i now, think i think they would uh, i think they would especially if trump begins to act badly which i'm afraid he will i i think he's really he's really in a, in a terrible state now uh, i think mentally uh he he has these outbursts and i think there are plenty of people who believe in his policies but don't believe in him. Right. And I think that's where I think that's where the dividing line is going to be. Well, that's also one of the reasons, Bill, I think that and I agree with you. I think Trump has to control himself. Uh, but one, I think that's one of the reasons why they take these shots at him. 
uh, oh, yes. provoking him, knowing that he'll say something, you know, in self-defense and make things worse. I mean, if, if Trump would just simply, seriously, if he would just go on vacation for four months and literally stay out of the public view for four months, he would be better off. Because he's really, he's got nothing to do for the next four months. He doesn't have a campaign. Just stop everything for four months and just rest for the next four months. And let let Biden control the news. Let Biden be on the news bill. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, He can either rest or he can just make a tour of the country, a thank you tour for his nomination. And he wants to talk, say he wants to talk to people, get their ideas. And I and he said and he should say that's what a presidential candidate should do, not hide in the basement. Right. Because because you can see that Biden is under very close control by his staff. Uh, he's they're not going to risk him any in in any way. I cannot imagine his agreeing to debate Trump. I mean that 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 will just never happen. He got away with it the last time and he ran a a basement campaign. I don't know if he can get away with it this time. But I think Republicans have to be on guard. They do not. The Republicans have never understood the power of the press. They they think they understand it, but uh, they have been very naive about what the press can do to help somebody get elected. You know, Bill, if if President Trump needed or former President Trump needed an itinerary for the next four months, like you say, you know, a speaking tour like Hillary Clinton did that time. Remember that when she went around New York talking to people? Well, he could start at the border. I'd say he can start at the border and, you know, and, and come down here to the border. And uh, that would be a pretty good trip for him. Then he could go to Chicago uh, and and talk with some of these uh, black Democrats in Chicago who are very angry about the sanctuary city. Oh, yes. And and then maybe he could, you know, go 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 to a, a few places where it would be politically good for him. And 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 but he would stay away from the I think he needs to stay away from the rallies. I think that's true. Because the rallies seem to bring out the the funny Trump, if I could put it that way. But when he goes to these rallies, he says things that I think end up hurting him. Like when he when he made the statement about, you know, the blood and uh, the migrants and the blood. Remember uh, that? Contaminating our blood, which is. Yes. It's a, that's very a stupid. Very much a fascist idea, unfortunately. Well, but it's a stupid thing to say. He doesn't yes. have to say that. He doesn't. He doesn't have to say that for Americans to understand that we've got a migrant problem. That's right. And so th- these are things that he should do. But again, I, I, I don't know if he can listen to advice like that. But I think that would be the best advice I could give him. Now, another thing coming out of New York is this Trump trial with this yes. woman, Bill. I, that is, to me, that's obscene. $83 million? Of course. He, they got, they got this themselves... This is crazy. A, they got themselves a good New York jury. You know, I mean, they're, New York is so democratic. I mean, they, they, they'd elect a mass murderer as long as he had D next to his name. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst governed cities, although the, the mayor had a good week last week, and I'm glad because he, he deserves it. Um, with some progress in crime. But you, they, they, you know, juries can be manipulated. Uh, they, they found him guilty. This was actually not a trial on the facts. This was a, um, a, a trial to determine the um, damages 
that he will be forced to give this woman, uh, a woman who I don't think came off as one of the more honest people in the world. I mean, uh, I don't know about the story she told. It, it just uh, There are things about it that just don't ring true. I mean, I don't... Th- People may not realize it, that Bergdorf Goodman, where this incident supposedly happened, is right across the street from Trump's headquarters in New York. His, he was well-known in the neighborhood. He was well-known in the city. He was Donald Trump. I mean, and, and his face was well-known. The idea of him get, breaking into the women's dressing room and committing an obscene act, I mean, everybody would see it. It's... it's I mean, they don't keep these places in a secret place, no. and that's very well guarded. Uh, the department store it doesn't, it just doesn't hang together. Well, and they had to change the statute of limitations rule. That's right to bring back the case. Uh, there's some Democrats who are funding the lawyers here, so the the whole thing is so obscene, and it's almost like if you want to, you know, there's two ways of making eighty three million dollars. I guess three ways. One, you can do it honestly. But yes. a second way would be to play the lottery or number three, go to New York and sue Trump. It That's seems right. like the three ways of making $83 million. I mean, it's obscene. Now, hopefully a judge up up the ladder or whatever the appeals uh, will will reverse this. I sure hope so. I mean, this is crazy. Well, and absolutely it's, crazy. And it's amazing, isn't it, that all these cases against Trump right. are coming to fruition Right before the election, right. I mean, you couldn't. You could. I mean, this timing is not uh, accidental. This timing is intentional. They're manipulating the system to make sure the timing is right and that Trump will be convicted of something right before the election. It's a terrible, terrible manipulation of the political system. It is an intrusion into a presidential election. I don't know how many Americans are buying this. Uh, I, I hope that they're asking serious questions. Now we have the prosecutor down in Atlanta who has her own problems, <laughs> and I think she'll be gone before too long, right. or they'll have to give up that uh, that charge against Trump. Yes, and you know we can wind up in a situation where the American people are literally denied the right to vote for the candidate they want to vote for, and that is, and and and, and that is something that I, I don't think the American people would stand for in some way they would make it plain what they felt. Well, the other thing, too, we could end up with the American people rejecting all these cases outright and just voting for them. That, uh, that's almost true. In, 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 in a way of simply saying, enough is enough, and we want him. Almost, uh, you know, w- whatever you're accusing him of, we, we've, we you know, we have uh, vaccinated him against any, any yes. more attacks, and we're going with him because... Uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, when I look at cases like this one out, out of New York and then the other case, the fraud case, which is yes. even worse, I think. Oh, it's, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the program last week. I have a very good friend who is a retired banker, and his specialty was real estate. And he said he dealt with these things all the time. Right. He said that's nobody gets prosecuted for overvaluing their property. <laughs> I mean, they, they, it's, 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 the game is played. The, the the one guy who wants the loan and wants to use his property as collateral comes in with a very high uh, rating on the on the uh, on what the property is worth. The bank then is very courteous, uh, and then he they have their own people who right, go out exactly. and do exactly the same thing, and that and they look at the property. They're not going to give a guy a loan based on his own estimate of his own worth. 
and 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 everybody is happy at the end. The guy gets the loan. The bank was able to to get a little bit more out of him uh, by by revaluing his property, and nobody has ever been prosecuted for that. It's right. Been, it's part of the, the it's part of the negotiating process. And the hap- the story always has a happy ending when the yeah. bank gets paid on time. Which, well, the, which is what made, happened here. People made the point nobody was defrauded. <laughs> there were no <laughs> victims. I know. It's not amazing. And nobody had a complaint. Isn't that amazing? And yet yeah. this thing goes to court. You really have to wonder uh you know what uh, what's going on. By the way, you mentioned that store and uh, Trump walking into the fitting room. You know, I've like most guys, we have sat outside the fitting room. You know, they have a little place out there with like a sofa yes. where the where the husbands wait. The husbands wait with their wallets. Right, exactly. So here's, okay, I, you know, imagine this. You're sitting out there in the sofa talking to another guy, probably talking about the, the upcoming game. And all of a sudden, Donald Trump walks into the fitting room. And you go, wait a minute, that's Donald Trump who just walked in there, isn't he? Yes. So then he walks in. He rapes a woman. He comes out, and it's like nobody saw anything, Bill. I mean, yes. it's incredible. Yes, and 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 um, uh, you know, Bergdorf is a well taken care of store. It's a very very famous and prestigious store. Uh, one of the things that was interesting is that in the entire coverage of this case, it shows the kind of of non research that journalists do. We in New York are aware of this. People out, outside New York may, may not be as aware. Bergdorf Goodman is famous, first of all, for being a very famous department store, but famous for the young man named Goodman, who was one of the three civil rights workers who were murdered in Mississippi in the early part of the civil rights movement. And he lived with his family above the store. They had a, a, a penthouse apartment. Uh, the Goodmans, very well known in New York, and of course, once that tragedy occurred, uh, it, it was known for that. For that, it was their family that was affected. Not one person mentioned it. I mean, not one journalist said, you know. And by the way, this took place in this store that became sadly famous for this horrible event that, that took place. But I, I, I can't. It's very hard for me to buy that a guy as well known as Donald Trump, Mister New York. Right. Would would try to break into the women's <laughs> dressing room at one of the most famous st- uh, stores in Manhattan, and as you said, nobody knows. Was that Donald Trump? Oh no, he must have been his wife. That's you know right. that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you have the 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 woman herself. You have the cashiers or the helpers, the clerks who are there. You have other ladies who are trying things in the yes. other rooms, and then you have all the guys outside waiting for your wife to try on something yes. uh, and to pay for it, I guess. And, and all of this happens. And, and again, no, nobody remembers Trump being there that day. You know, I have a funny feeling that if I had been there that day, Bill, that I would have said, you know what? I saw Donald Trump yesterday at the, at the store. Yes. He was that well known that like of you say. Was. Of course it was. Donald Trump was, was one of the most familiar faces in New York city. Right. Remember that movie Home Alone where the little kid is walking into that hotel and somebody and Donald Trump walks right by him, you know, and the kid looks at him like, oh, that's Donald Trump. I mean, and, and that was in the early 90s, yes. about the time that this incident, I guess, uh, happened. Well, one last thing, Bill, as we wrap up this week, I guess the good news 
is that we're not going to have Iowa and New Hampshire to talk about anymore. Uh, that is now behind us. And you, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Nikki Haley. I don't know what she's going to do. Well, uh, you're, you're not going to hear the name Iowa for four years. <laughs> I mean, right. that, that, is, that is by political edict. <laughs> right. And as far as New Hampshire, uh, you know, after a while you get tired of the snows, hearing about the snow and hearing about this and hearing about the, right. the, the local people and the local politicians right. who will just now disappear for four years. Right. And how smart the local people are. That's oh, the yeah. other thing I love about the coverage. It's always like, well, you know, the people here are so smart. They ask all these very, very difficult questions and they want to ask the politician, you know, face to face. And frankly, I've watched some of these town hall meetings. They're no different than any other town hall meeting. <laughs> exactly right. Well, it's the area around Boston. You know, it's the Boston uh, uh, media market. It, right. is, it contains New Hampshire. That you get some, you know, get people from college faculties who live that in that part of New Hampshire. The rest of New Hampshire is they're they're people who live in the snow. You right. know, they're nice people. They're nice people, yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're not any smarter than people in any other state who get to ask questions at a town hall meeting. Yeah. Uh, maybe here in Texas, we don't have the snow in February or in January, but, you know, they get good questions here too. But I, I just wonder, one last thing I wanted to say, and I wanted to get your reaction to this. I think that Nikki Haley will would be well served by stepping away. And the yes. reason is this, Bill. I think if she is serious about being number two, her chances of being number two, let's say two to Donald Trump, would improve a lot better if she spent the next three months talking about Biden rather than yes. having, answering these stupid questions about, uh, like today she got a question about this trial in New York and she said, well, I believe the jury. Well, that I, that's going to be a hard sell yes. uh, in the Republican side. But a lot of people are and are saying that you know Nikki Haley could step in in the event that something were to happen to Trump. I probably more of a health issue than a legal issue. But whatever reason, if he if he's not around in July at the convention, I don't think she automatically steps in. I think that people like Ron DeSantis would step in, there and be, there would be other people. I, I don't think she's automatically number two, Bill. I guess my no, that's my point. I, I, I don't think she is. She. She hasn't campaigned that well, and I think there's annoyance at her uh, remaining in the race when there's really no realistic chance with Trump in the race that she could be the candidate. On the other hand, politics is very funny. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. And predicting the future, I, 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 ne I never try. But right. uh, I think the, the primary in her state of, uh, of uh, South Carolina will be February 24th which is about a month from now, a little right. less than a month from now, every major Republican figure in the state has endorsed Trump. And that's going up against a lot in your own home state where you were governor. So I think if she loses big in, in South Carolina, she will have to step down. I don't see any other way because at some point she gets ridiculous. Uh, I mean, at some point, you know, she's just helping the other side and more and more people are going to, are going to feel that way. But I have to confess, I, you know, if Trump were to drop out or whatever, for whatever reason, she wouldn't be my number one choice. If no, Trump were to drop out, I'd rather have this. I think a DeSantis ticket yes. headed by DeSantis would be a lot stronger, Bill. Yes, I, th I think it, it would. And uh, look, it depends on when in the right. election campaign Trump drops out, if in fact he does. Uh, if it's late in the campaign, 
I think what they would do is the party would get together and make some new rules <laughs> that will allow a bunch of bosses basically to decide on the on the nominee. And uh, we might get a very good nominee, you know. That's right. Uh, Wouldn't that be funny, Bill, if in 2024 both parties ended up going back to the old ways of nominating the candidate at the convention for different reasons? Biden on the Democrats. Wouldn't that be funny if all of a sudden we went back to the old ways and maybe everybody would realize that the old ways weren't so bad after all? Well, no, the, you know, the way I always put it is I, I, these guys were machine politicians. They knew they, they were specialists in taking care of the neighborhood and getting a, and getting a sign uh, or an elect, uh, a, a traffic light. Uh, but they were professional politicians right. and they never went to a national convention and nominated a jerk. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Bill, have a great week and uh, enjoy yourself. How's the weather in New York? It's 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 getting a little bit more moderate, but uh, the the New York weather is unpredictable, and we may have eighteen inches of snow by next week. Well, that's right. Well, you know that uh, a couple of climate change activists decided to to hurt the the Mona Lisa. I guess throw that's some right. Soup at the Mona Lisa. Bill was Leonardo da Vinci a climate climate denier? Whatever. <laughs> happened to that uh, I, I don't know i don't know um i i what i wanted to see was i i mean it could be done technically i guess is that in the news film of these people throwing the soup at the mona lisa i wanted the mona lisa to put on her little smile and say mm, good that's <laughs> that well, would have been a great piece of news film well that i'm sure somebody will come up with an idea for a cartoon like that and, oh, and uh, that would be, you're right. That would be absolutely great. Bill, have a great week. And as always, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure, Sylvia. Talk again next week. Thank you so much. Our, our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, looking back at some of the big stories of the week. And of course, the big one, the big one is the soldiers being killed in the Middle East. Uh, a mess. I mean, that's a terrible mess. And we're pray for, praying for their families, of course. And then, of course, a little political talk as well. Uh, with our friend Bill. Have a great week, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later.